Welcome to Love Your Reports. I'm Paul Felix, your host, and this is episode 27. Recently, I subscribed to Starlink, and I want to talk a little bit today about what Starlink and some other things mean to me, what I think it means to all of us. So let me just start out by describing a few things that I feel like are going on in the world. And then I want to talk about, you know, why these things I think are important to business intelligence. So first of all, connectivity. You know, one of the things that we need, obviously, for people in technology roles and others is a way to be connected. And having been on the road quite a bit, I can tell you that it's not the easiest thing if you're someone that's traveling frequently, I travel in a van and it was always a problem. Everywhere I go, I've got to make sure that I have connectivity because it's you know obviously critical for the role that I play. So how do I handle that? Well, I subscribe to AT&T, to T-Mobile and to Verizon. You know, I've got a VPN set up. I've got a server in the cloud. I've got the ability to combine connectivity. And at the end of the day, this setup that I have or had would enable me to travel from place to place, you know, again, in a van. So I'm driving typically, and it would enable me to be connected, right? But the limiting factor was you really had to be close to some city, some metropolitan area or some highway. You know, you really couldn't be out in the middle of nowhere because you're not going to get great cellular coverage. Well, here comes Starlink. Right, Everybody probably knows by now that Starlink is a low-orbit, satellite-based internet service. And I was able to obtain a subscription to Starlink, and I recently got the hardware and have been testing it just for a couple of weeks now. And I'm right now on my first trip with Starlink. And on this trip, I'm going toward the northwest. So I live in Austin, and I come driving now to the northwest up to the Seattle area, and then I'll make my way back to Austin. So anyway, there's a lot of rural areas between where I live and where I'm going. So typically what I would have to do is chart a course, you know, between the two places and make sure that I'm going to be in populated areas or at least close to highways that have decent coverage. And a lot of the times what would end up happening is I would get to a place, I'd get set up, and the first thing I got to do before I really set everything up is test connectivity. And if connectivity is not good enough, even with all three carriers and the best system that I can find, I would have to pack up and go to the next town. And sometimes that's quite inconvenient. So this time I've got Starlink. And yesterday I was in the Utah area, just north of Arches National Park. And I'm at some BLM land, which is Bureau of Land Management, public land, basically, where you can camp on these lands freely. So I was able to get in there, and of course, I have no cellular coverage for the most part, maybe one bar on a couple of carriers, nothing that would be good enough for work. But then I fire Starlink up, and there you go. You know, I've got plenty good enough internet for what I do. I mean, that is a game changer, not just for me, but for many people like me. You know, at this one little BLM land that I was at, there are a lot of people there. It is just surprising how many people are living this nomadic lifestyle. And I know some are doing it part-time, like I'm not full-time on the road. I just go whenever (laughs) I need to go, right? But there's a lot of people that are full-time and they just go from one place to the next and that's the way they live their life. And one of the things that's enabling that is this connectivity. 
the ability to be connected via whatever means. I'm not saying they all have Starlink, but more and more, I'm sure we'll take advantage of that service. Being able to be connected is critical. It's one of the things you have to have in order to live this sort of lifestyle. Well, I shouldn't say have to, but it makes it a heck of a lot easier if you can establish a connection. So another thing that's kind of timely right now, I think, is just the level of sophistication or capability, I guess, that solar energy has come to. You know, solar panels now are a little bit more efficient than they were in the past. They also are a lot cheaper than they were in the past. You can get solar equipment a lot cheaper, like the solar charge controllers and your inverters and all those sorts of things. They're very readily available. They're quite easy. You know, I've built a solar system in my van. That's how I power my van whenever I'm traveling. Not for the, you know, the driving part, but for the internal stuff. Like the, I've got an air conditioner. I run my computer, right? I've got induction cooktop. It's able to handle all the things that I need using this solar-powered energy system. Battery technology is also at a point now where it's very, very capable I use lithium batteries. I run about 10 kilowatts or I have about 10 kilowatts of storage. And I can do that in a way that's pretty convenient. I don't really have to worry too much about my energy because it's going to be coming from the sun. And if I don't get energy from the sun for a day or two, I'm going to be okay because I can always just run it off of my van's alternator. Actually, I have an oversized alternator. Anyway, what I'm saying is, Energy is now something that I believe is very obtainable. It's another component that enables people to be mobile. And it's very, very obtainable today to do so using an energy source that's based on solar. Another thing that I think is going on in the world is that people seem to, you know, not stay with one job for their whole life. And this is not anything really new. But, you know, my parents or my dad stayed with a refinery. He worked for a refinery his whole life. That's really his only job. And that's not something you really hear much of nowadays. I certainly didn't work for one company for my whole career. And I think that it's only accelerating in how often younger people are kind of moving from one role to another. And because of that, it means that often they have to move from one place to another. So being able to do that, you know, and not have to worry about breaking your lease at your apartment or selling a house or what have you is also something that's very appealing, I believe, to a lot of people. In addition to, you know, the changing job situation, a lot of people are simply remote. It doesn't really matter where they're working. Leapfrog BI is a good example of that. Our whole workforce is remote. You know, we don't go to an office and see each other, right? There is no office. We are all remote and it works very, very well because today we have the tools we need. You know, we've got webcams. We use Teams for our messaging and all the uh, communication tools there. Of course, email. And if we ever really wanted to, we can make a phone call, but usually it's just a Teams meeting or something of that nature. So the remote workforce is just becoming larger and larger. Now, not everybody's going to be part of the remote workforce. Obviously, depending on the role you're playing, that's going to determine whether or not it's viable for you to be in a remote role. But a large part of society is in a role that can be at least partially remote. Another factor that, that I believe is really important is cost of housing. 
it is extremely expensive. Again, I live in Austin and the cost of housing is just crazy. It's not as if someone who's just starting out can go buy a home. It's not going to be possible, at least not anywhere in the you know central area of Austin or anything close in at all. So the cost of housing, it's not good, right? You can't begin to gain equity in a house because you can't afford to buy a house typically, especially if you're just entering the workforce. So that's very challenging. I think younger people, and myself included, have ended up renting, right, for some period of time until you can find a way to move into something where you're going to begin to own a house. And, you know, when you combine home ownership with this changing jobs and remote workforce and moving, you know, from one place to another, it's not as appealing because you aren't going to have such of a guaranteed situation if you're buying and selling your home every year or two. So that's another challenge there. Another thing that I think that a lot of people are interested in is just environmentally friendly living. For a long time, I'd say there's been a very big drive toward bigger and bigger homes. And not that that's over or anything, but it does seem like there's a growing community of people out there that are looking for ways to actually, you know, live without having an impact on the planet, you know, on the environment as a whole. And then finally, electric vehicles, you know, electric vehicles are here. No doubt about that. They are going to be just more and more common. There's obviously plenty of brands now that are moving into this field. I guess pretty much all of them at this point have some type of electric vehicle either on the road or they're planning to release one. And it's not just, you know, sedans and cars. Now we have trucks that are electric and soon we'll have semi tractor trailers, you know, large trucks that will be fully electric. Now the trucks, at least the ones that I've looked at are, I don't know, they're sort of the first wave of trucks is what I would say. They don't seem like they're going to be a viable alternative for, you know, pulling heavy loads and that sort of thing, at least not in the next real near future, but I'm sure eventually they will be. So anyway, electric vehicles are here. So all of these things that I'm mentioning are just observations, right? We've got connectivity anywhere we want to be. Starlink is a big player in that. Cellular is also a player. We've got alternatives for getting energy wherever we are. Solar is now advanced enough where you can pretty much set up a system on, in my case, on my van, and I've got enough energy to run everything I need right here in my van without having to plug in. You have the societal situation where people are changing jobs often, especially you know when people are beginning to enter the workforce, they're going to change jobs for some amount of time. And there's also the remote workforce. So you may never actually even go into an office anymore. You've got the cost of housing being very, very high in growing areas, especially. Then you have this overall growing community of people that want to be environmentally friendly. They want to live without leaving a negative impact on the environment. And finally, electric vehicles are here. So all of these things, I believe, are appealing to people that want to maybe not have the conventional life, at least for some part of their life. They don't want to rent a apartment. They don't want to buy a home. They just want to be free to move around wherever they want to move, when they want to move. I really think that's really the appeal of this type of nomadic lifestyle is the freedom. 
and potentially the quality of life, if it's what appeals to you. It's that freedom and quality of life that is going to draw more and more people into this nomadic lifestyle, in my opinion. Okay, so what does all of this have to do with business intelligence? Well, I think it has a lot to do with business intelligence because I see this as a growing trend. And it's obviously important in business intelligence for us to understand the influencers on success. Ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand the environment that we're operating in so that we can make decisions that have desirable outcomes. So if you are a brick and mortar type of company, for example, you've got storefronts, this type of a trend may accelerate your desire to actually have a more diverse set of stores across the country, you know, more geographically diverse set of stores. Because one of the things about nomads is every city you go to, you're going to have to buy stuff, the stuff that you need. And sometimes people just through habit are going to want to go do the things that they're familiar with and they're already comfortable buying from, for example, Walmart or Target. They're going to go look for a Walmart or Target in the next town. And that's a comfortable experience for them. So brick and mortar type stores might want to note that because just simply having a presence could make a big difference. Another thing that might be important is if you are a company that either doesn't have an internet presence or doesn't have a uh, well-established internet presence, that might be something that needs to be focused on. Because again, having internet connectivity as a nomad That's going to be one of the most important things to these types of people is being able to go and buy things online. And that leads us to, well, how are they going to pick up those things, right? If you're moving from place to place, then how are they going to order something from you and then pick it up? You know, where are you going to send it, right? So that's where there's gaps still. I mean, there's some solutions to that, like you've got Amazon lockers where you can have a delivery sent to an Amazon locker pretty much anywhere in a large city, but there's still challenges here. So it's just something to be aware of if you're trying to serve this type of community. Then another thing you might think about is your workforce, like at Leafrog BI, we're completely remote. And what does it mean to your workforce if they're mobile? You know, what types of, I don't know, culture does that establish? What kind of rules do we need? Like you've got to have, for example, if you've got a mobile workforce, you got to make sure that Everybody is responsible for their connectivity because at the end of the day, if they're not connected and they're mobile, well, they're basically just not at work, right? So there's some things that need to be considered here when we talk about having a mobile workforce. And in addition to that, you know, what types of products and services might appeal to this nomadic community? There's all sorts of things that could apply here, you know, for healthcare, for example. If you're a healthcare organization and you are serving one region and you're considering expanding to other regions or what have you, then it might be a good idea to market that information in a way that people understand that you're all across the country. You know, being in multiple geographies in the country, United States, you might have an appeal to this type of community because they don't necessarily know where they're going to be in six months. But if you've got a presence, at least in the major regions of the country, then that's a lot more feasible for someone to actually go in for services, whatever it might be, medical procedures or what have you. 
The other thing I'd say this means to business intelligence is trying to measure the impact that mobility is having on your business. And this could be all sorts of things. You know, if you're an appointment type of a company where people have to set up an appointment with you, it could be tracking cancellations or no-shows or the reasons for those things. If you can get that information so you can see, you know, is it this nomadic type of culture that is impacting your business? Or maybe you're, again, a kind of a storefront where people are just walking in the door and you are noticing that you're getting a lot more first-time customers, but nobody's repeating. You know, maybe there's people that are just passing through and, you know, that's just something you need to be aware of and think about how to cater to that. And of course, finally, mobile business intelligence, you know, having a front end where you can deliver reports that are going to cater to a mobile workforce is not something that should be a second thought anymore. It really needs to be front and center, I would say. You've got to think about how you're going to deliver this information to a mobile workforce. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to build all of your reports for an iPhone or a tablet, whatever, but you do have to think about how they're going to access these reports. you got to think about how they're going to do so securely and a number of other factors. But thinking about mobile business intelligence or how a mobile workforce is going to access your reporting solution is something that should be considered early on. Okay, I'm going to leave it there this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at Paul B. Felix is my handle there. Or you can email me, paul at loveyourreports.com is my address. Thank you again. We'll talk to you next week.